What seems to us as bitter trials are often blessings in disguise. Oscar Wilde, Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, Ellen DeGeneres, Ruth Handler, Mark Zuckerberg. What do they all have in common? They are all famous college dropouts. On today's episode, I'm speaking with a couple who both quit college, dived into the urban gardening and farmer's market culture, and has thus far built a seven-figure brand in less than five years. However, they're not stopping there. They are just getting started. Welcome to the Stitch for Success podcast, where we are teaching business and life lessons that will help you launch, grow, or scale your creative business. I am Monica Allen, and I'm a wife, mom, daughter, entrepreneur, author, friend, lifelong learner, and host of this podcast. For over eight years, I was stuck in corporate and dreamt of escaping. Creating a side hustle with just $700 and having taken the leap over 15 years ago, we have since grown multiple six-figure and seven-figure brands. Being an entrepreneur for over 18 years has afforded me many successes and a few failures. I want to share those with you so you can grow and be successful in your business. This podcast episode is brought to you by Zeus's Closet. We like to say we're like a tattoo shop for your clothes. You can visit our website at Zeus'sCloset.com. Our solopreneur package is available, which saves you 20% off of your company's branded apparel. Simply use the promo code STITCHED. The link to the package is in the show notes. Remember, you are your biggest brand ambassador. Make sure you embrace it and show it wearing your logo so people remember who you are. I am bringing you my conversation with Taryn and Quentin Lewis, founders of Urban Eden, a holistic skincare company that specializes in handmade soap bars. Starting in 2015, Taryn and Quentin have sacrificed to build their business to where it is today. This was such a fun conversation. Please take a listen to my chat with Quentin and Taryn. Today, I would like to welcome Quentin and Taryn Lewis to the Stitch for Success podcast. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for joining me. I truly appreciate this. And I find that we have a few things in common. Quentin, I know you mentioned that you feel like you've been an aspiring entrepreneur for a very long time. And I felt that same way leaving corporate America some years ago. And then you guys actually started your business together. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am, we did. Yes, we did. That is fantastic. How is that going? Working together? (laughs) Oh, I mean, it's going. It's going great. You know, we 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 make sure that we stay in our roles and, you know, we we try to definitely balance the marriage and the, the business, you know, and, and try to make sure that we a lot a proper time for both, even though it could, it could definitely overlap. We don't have any children yet. So I think that has definitely allowed us to, you know, commit a lot of time to the business and to really see it through and to really kind of like thug it through the early days, you know, yeah. so it's, it's been going great. That is fantastic to hear. So tell me, when you started your business, what problem were you trying to solve? Essentially, even when I started the business, I guess it wasn't necessarily a problem. I was just pretty much thinking community minded and wanted to learn a skill. So it was really like for myself, like wanting to learn a skill for myself so that I could contribute to a community. If I was a part of when we first started, we were like, we're still like hippies, but we were super hippie. Like when we first started, I wanted to live on a commune, all that good stuff. And I was like, oh, if we go live on a commune, like 
I just need to learn a skill. And uh, prior to this, we were interns at Urban Farms. We were learning about the skill of farming. I started to get into the farmer's market culture. And I was just like, I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of the farmer's market culture. So I was just reading a craft book and uh, came across soap making, tried my hand at melt and pour soap making. And then Quentin, with his entrepreneur mind, he was like, you know, you should start a business making soap. And so from there, I learned how to make soap from scratch. And then uh, the problems arise then. So it was like, okay, well, people were having skin skin problems. And do you have soap that can help with eczema? Or do you have soap that can help with dry skin? And so I started to tailor my soaps that I was making. And the ingredients that I was putting into the soap, they were tailored to various skin problems like eczema, acne, hyperpigmentation, psoriasis, dry skin, sensitive skin. Wow. So let me ask you this. Did you kind of know all of these different ingredients and how they worked? Or did you do a lot of testing and giving it out to people to say, hey, see if this helps you? How did you go through that that process? Going through that process, it was pretty much just research. I researched. So from being at the farm, I had already started to learn about like various plants and their benefits. Like, of course, like lavender is one that's really well known. And then I just started researching and based off of research and scientific studies showing how various things like lavender, activated charcoal, turmeric, cocoa butter, shea butter, just the various benefits that these ingredients have. I was incorporating them into the soap. And then I was getting back great feedback from other people who might have been dealing with these various issues and finding out that the soaps were really working for them. Wow, that is fantastic. Market validation. I always tell entrepreneurs, you got to get market validation. Mm -hmm. And then you know you have something when you do that. So tell me this, what is a challenge or obstacle you two have had to overcome in your life? And it may be separate things, but that has made you stitched for success. One obstacle we had in the beginning was we were college dropouts. So I think, you know, being a college dropout, And we know how society is, you know, how they tell us, you know, you got to go to school, you know, you got to go to college, you know, so you can get a good job or whatnot. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's that's a route that, you know, a lot of people go and there's nothing and there's nothing wrong with that. not to talk down on that. But I think I wanted to we wanted to do something different. So we wanted to, you know, prove that we didn't have to go down the traditional route to be able to be successful in whatever that we wanted to do. So, you know, just kind of you know, taking that route and, you know, overcoming, you know, different families saying different things and believing that you probably wasn't going to be successful or, you know, just kind of overcoming the doubters and things like that. But we eventually, you know, just kind of, I think we had each other and we kind of stuck together and we never gave up. And that really allowed us to kind of see it through. Yeah. That, that family, I'll just say, (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's like, you love them, but at the same time, you're like, I know my dream. Right. And it's it's funny because I, I remember my grandmother, who I love and adore, and she's passed away now, but she did tell me because she didn't have that formal education. She said, go to school, get a good education, get a good, good job. That was that was repeated over and over. And I, I did finish school, but as soon as I got into corporate, I was like, this is not for me, like yeah. I've got to figure something out. And I knew I've known since about fourth grade that I wanted to own my own business, but people kind of like, but you have a good job. You have benefits. And when my husband left his job, 
he left first and he, he left, I supported for about a year. And then I left and I'll never forget when we told his parents that I had left, they were fine with him just leaving, but me having a stable job. But when I told them I left too, they were like, they looked at their younger two kids and said, don't y'all ever do that. Wow. And we were just kind of like, okay, well, (laughs) let us just get on this thing and prove them wrong. You know, we definitely have some, because we have, we're both the kind of like the oldest of our siblings. So Mm -hmm. like, I'm probably even definitely like I was gonna say I think I had it more because his yeah. siblings followed the route of not going to school. I know my dad in particular, like he told my siblings to do what my sis do what your sister didn't do, finish school or what have you. And crazy enough, like neither one of them are they're like 19 and 22, but neither one of them mm-hmm. are going through college. I don't know, it's just a different day and age. And a lot of people are finding that you you might not necessarily have to go to college in order to 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 mark your path. I agree. I I tell my husband and I talk a lot about we do have two kids and we talk about the fact that we're not going to necessarily force college down their throat Mm -hmm. if they want to go. Great. But but if as long as they come to us with some type of plan, like you can't just say I'm going to sit at home and do nothing. Right. (laughs) But if you come with a plan and you're like, hey, I I have this in mind and I can see it's viable, then let's give it a shot, you know, because I don't believe the traditional way is the right way for sure. So tell me about, you started your business, I believe, in what, 2015? Yes, and um, officially in 2016, but yeah, like unofficially in 2015. Fantastic. And so you're going along. How did this, let's talk pre-pandemic. How was it going when you first started? We was going with the flow. I mean, yeah, so (laughs) pre-pandemic, you know what I'm saying? Like we're talking about like 2016 to end of 2019. Right. It was going, you know what I'm saying? Good. We, we was operating pretty much from home. We had, we had like two instances where we, we were at my parents' house when we started it and we were, we, I young and married and we decided to move back with my parents to really kind of just kind of like figure it out a little bit more. And we had, we both had jobs too. We both had jobs at the time. And so we, so we did that. And then we moved out and then we were, we were doing the business. I had another business, a landscape design business. So that was helping us. So supplement. that was helping, you know, helping that out. Nice. And then, you know, we continued to just been grinding in urban eating. We, we were growing steadily. We, we definitely increased revenue 2016 to 2017, 2017 to 2018. And then 2018, we had to move back again with my parents mm-hmm. because we, our landlord was saying that they wanted to move back into the house that we were living in. So we gotcha. kind of took a step back. And by taking that step back, that kind of allowed us to kind of save up some money. And then we were producing in their garage. My dad mm-hmm. really wanted us to get out of there because we were tearing up the garage. So we ended up getting a, a physical locations place. It was like a brick and mortar. It was a thousand square foot space that we got in 2019. 300 square feet in the front was for a retail store. 700 square feet in the back was for production. And okay. We did that in 2019 and the business was growing, was growing great and steadily and organically. We were, we were, you know, creating consistent content, you know, documenting our journey. And then I'm going to let, and you said pre-pandemic, so I'm going to stop it before and we I, get into I that. I want to go but, back to, and cause he, he made it seem like it was all good. And I feel like 
no oh, success struggle. no success story is complete without speaking on struggles if you oh, went right. through them we struggled oh we struggled a we lot we had times where we looked back at ourselves in like 2018 2017 we were like how wow. are we functioning full time within our business we had times where we were, we were questioning like is this really something that we're going to be able to sustain for our lives like are we wrong for quitting our jobs like should we go back and get jobs like we really contemplated like actually going back and getting jobs, but we had like little spurts along the way that would like help to propel us. But there were really times where, you know, we were overdrafting our account so that we could Mm -hmm. maintain our Shopify store or we weren't been, we weren't able to pay like our gas bill or our water bill or our phone bills just for the sake of trying to, you know, make the business work and putting everything back into the business. But we were trying to like function on our own. So even though our landlord, like, even though we wanted to stay in our, our place one more year, it, you know, blessings kind of happen in a way that you don't always expect. So, you know, her wanting to move back in and allowing us to move back in with his parents was like a blessing in disguise because we were able to move on and do those things that we needed to do. But we struggled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. struggled financially. Yes. <laughs> and and I do feel like that's probably the hardest part, not only to starting a business, but maintaining a business is that cash flow. You know, especially when you see the promise, it's like you can see that glimmer of light and you know, if I can just put some more money into it, it'll, it'll push it forward. But it's tough, especially when you have, you're juggling that versus a bill that needs to be paid, you know? So I get it. I totally understand that. So now let's talk about 2020 rolls around. You have a hundred thousand square foot space. No, You're a thousand. I'm sorry. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm moving into y'all's future. That's all. I'm, I'm just <laughs> propelling a thousand square foot space. You're producing in the back. You got a retail in the front. 2020 hits. Now what happens? Probably like the beginning of 2020. Do you talk about numbers? Do you want us to get into the numbers? You can for sure. I actually had some questions, but go ahead. Just yeah. speak, well, speak. At the end of 2019, we finished the year at 263,000 revenue. So, nice. you know, we were we were like, you know, what what do we really got to do to really kind of take it to the, that next level? I think in 2020, we were projected to do around $600,000. And we were like, but what are we going to do to like really try to get there? So we were like, all right, we got to really, you know, put paid ads together. We got to do invest in the paid ads and things like that. So probably in the beginning of 2020, I think we had like, what, three employees? Yeah. Pre-pandemic had like three employees at the time. Still, I would say still very, very small, very grassroots. So pandemic hits and business literally just starts to just just starts to take off. Honestly, I think because of the industry that we were in, us building up from all those previous years, building up our list and things like that. It was just like the perfect opportunity of COVID hitting and people just being more conscious of their health and things like that, investing into paid ads. And then, you know, the whole George Floyd, George Floyd Floyd killing and people just supporting black Black business. I think the combination of those three just really propelled us that whole entire year. And that ended up, that was a year for the books right there. Like we ended up finishing the year at 2.6 million that year. So we went from 260 to 2.6 and, don't get me wrong like it was like thinking about it now like it was it's an amazing thing to do to go from 260 to 2.6 but trust me y'all like it was challenging (laughs) i cried that year taryn (laughs) cried that year and it wasn't like we cried like we was like it was hard like we were behind in orders about two months at one point like 
geez, when we didn't, like, it was so much uncertainty when, when COVID started. We didn't know if the post office was going to close, right. like, every single day. You know what I'm saying? And Trying to get material was oh, hard, logistics too. was horrible. Yes. Like, but one of the things that, that I did was I'm a person that I never put sold out on our products because we make everything in-house. So I never, ever put sold out because we were mm -hmm. also investing in to pay ads. So I'm thinking that, hey, I don't want a person to come to my site and I'm investing to pay ads and then products are sold out. So what that allowed us to do was just to continue to get that capital in so that it could fund the growth because we needed mm -hmm. to hire at the same time. Mm -hmm. Also, during that time, we needed to move out of that thousand square foot space. The store just, we ended up we shutting. We were overflowing. Yeah, we were overflowing. We, were we shut overflowing. down the physical retail store and then we ended up getting a 6,300 square foot warehouse. Okay. Shut down. We shut down the store for several months to get it renovated and we opened it back up again in November by the end of the as year. A November, full -fledged as a full-fledged store. experiential <laughs> store. So that whole thousand square foot space is now a full-on store now. So wow. that whole year really kind of catapulted us into like a Cat different, yeah, catapulted <laughs> us, yeah, like into like a different stratosphere now because mm -hmm. now in 2021, we're a different company. We have, you know, bigger budgets that we're dealing with. We have like 30 employees, you know what I'm saying? We got, we, we started dealing with OSHA, you know, like just, we just, COVID really just, you know, and whole, all of e-commerce, you know, got catapulted by like five years, they said. So, you know. Yeah. We were just the perfect storm. Couple of questions in that. First of all, when you said you went from 260 to 2.6, I saw so like literally things flashed before my eyes as far as logistics, employees, space, like all of that literally flashed before my yeah. eyes. And just the strain of that, orders yeah. being behind, the strain of that, like I saw all of that for you guys. So I know someone may hear this and say, Ooh, 2.6 million. Woo. That there's a lot of work in that. So yeah, I totally understand. Good. How are you guys, how are your profit margins? Our margins are really good. I mean, we see the thing is because we make everything mm -hmm. that really, that actually was what saved us last year. And that's what allowed us to like be able to fund this just from our cash flow. Cause we didn't do this with outside capital. You know what I'm saying? And that's what even potential investors now look at. They like, that's very attractive. So our margins right. are very good because we produce our own products. No, we have, we have, we have great margins because of, because of the product, because we make everything. And then that's also because we catapulted from the two twenty two sixty to the 2.6, we were able to buy things in bigger bulk mm -hmm. and Savings. the cost of things, cost of things started to just come down because it used to cost us like, I think maybe close to $2 to make a bar of soap. But that mm -hmm. just started to come way down as we started to be able to buy much, much bigger bulk. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that definitely makes sense. And that's very helpful when you can buy in bulk. I interview a lot of people that provide services, but I love when I can talk to someone who provides a product. Tell me, how did you all determine the price of your products to ensure that you would be prop to ensure that you would be profitable? Well, man, yeah. So. <laughs> so, so the thing when it came to the price, we have we have several several products. We have think about almost a hundred SKUs of products. Our main product is the bar soaps. So, how we determined our pricing was early early on. We actually tested out a it was called a three tiered pricing system, and I used to use that in my service based business where I would okay. give somebody like a a good better best product. I meant good better best pricing. So we tried that early on with our bar soap. So we used to have a standard bar, original bar, and a premium bar. 
And we kind of tested that out for a year to see like what was the most popular collection. And we end up going with the middle one, which was the $6 bar. And we kind of now have kind of stayed with like most of our bars are six dollars and any mm-hmm. of the bars that we add on to the collection you know they're around like seven dollars or whatnot so what i what i kind of tell um, a lot of people when they ask about pricing i felt that we kind of locked ourselves in a little bit at our pricing early on because mm-hmm. soap if you think about traditional soap soap really isn't you, you're not really out here people on a mass level aren't buying six seven dollar bars of soap right. you know dove we know Dove is one of the most popular, you know, the you soaps are what? A 12-pack a for like $6. I mean, yeah, you get a 12-pack like, of soap for $6. Yeah, their soaps right. are relatively cheap. So we felt that our pricing at $6 was a good price. And that mm-hmm. even though it cost us like $2 to make the soap, we knew over time as we got better with production and got more efficient, bought things in bigger bulk and things like that, that we would that cost of it would come down more and more and more. So then we didn't really need to mess with our pricing too much once we established you know, that pricing. So we honestly have not changed our pricing in quite some time. But as we come out with, um, as we come out with, new as products, we come up with newer products, we charge a dollar more for most of them just because we're, we're more experienced, more seasoned with yeah. uh, the products that we're coming out with. And I mean, we have the the community and the following now that we can, you know, we know that they're going to support. So yeah. it's just like, we can, we can charge a little bit more for yeah. the, those quality products. That is really, really good. And and I always like to ask that question, though, because I meet so many entrepreneurs that when they start, they underprice themselves. Yeah. And to me, I think that a lot of businesses fail because of that. But I kind of wanted to ask you all about that because I know it's so important to make sure your price is right or if it's not right to get to it, get to the right price real quick. Go ahead, Quentin. And just to add to that, too, another thing is like we kind of have like this model where our bar soaps are like our volume product. It's like our burger. And then all of the other products that we came out with, like our body oil, body butters and all the products around it that like our like the add ons, we price those with higher margins in them. So we so because we started off with bar soap for like the first two and a half years without coming out with anything else. Once we start coming out with those other products, we made sure to price them properly so that we can, you know, you know, have great margins in, in those products and, and, and just make more profit and things like that. That's great. Two things that has come up for me in this is one, you said you have what, about 30 employees now? Yeah. How is that going? Building teams, managing team members. Are you all enjoying that? How is it going? Now it's much better because and when we first started, so even like last year, really, when we started getting all of these employees, because we got them so quickly yeah. last year, because we were just needing ha- as many hands as possible. Yeah. It was like overwhelming. And we really had to learn a lot. And Quentin does a lot of the operations part. So he was like, you're going to do this. He was like, when it comes to dealing with people and hiring and firing, like you're going to do this. So it was like really stressful. I've had times where it's been like learning lessons for me, just being like, you know, being emotional, being a woman and, you know, feeling like people have like personal vendettas or whatever they're doing you wrong, but really kind of learning how to operate as a boss, like learning how to operate and think about the well-being of these people, think about keeping them motivated, and then also making sure that we're getting as much productivity out of them as possible. Some of the things that helped us were we have a floor manager who 
like we can be here right now doing podcasts while she's holding it down at the warehouse. Also, my mother works there. She does HR and both of them actually came from like a corporate structure. So they were able to come in and help us with incorporating kind of like a corporate structure. SOPs. SOPs, doing administrative things. But now that we have now that they feel like more comfortable and they take on more of the roles, it really, really helps. And then we just realized like communication is key. So we just communicate with a lot of the people that work with us as well. We have meetings with them. We let them know our expectations of them. And then we just realized that we had to step up in our roles as leaders. Like we were already just doing what we were doing within the business. But at this point now we have to become leaders because we are the examples. We did all of these jobs before that everybody is doing now. So it's like we had to show them the way. And then we have to show them like, even though we're 29, we're young. So it it can be hard to kind of I think it was we had to deal with that factor of maybe some people not respecting us because yeah. we were 29 years old. We were still learning a lot of things along the way. So we had to like really like demand respect while giving other people the respect mm-hmm. as well. But demand like we are to be respected. Right, we right. built this company into what it is. So, right. I mean, it's getting it's yeah. getting much better. And I also <laughs> say we hired a lot of people that we knew mm-hmm. at first, which can be a good thing, can be a bad thing, because sometimes they, they don't know how to kind of separate the, the business and the personal. The business and the personal <laughs> and, and family as well. You know what I'm saying? But I think us having family in there now, like I think we have what your mom and your brother that yeah. works in the warehouse that that are they're both like they're both managers. So, you know, having that trust factor, we know that we can trust them. And again, like she said, with her mom and the floor manager having that corporate experience. And the fact that we don't have that experience. And I think that's actually one of the things that I wish I honestly had is that if we probably worked more in those type of jobs, that we would have more of an experience of kind of setting up our company a little bit, like with that structure. But but, but again, we're learning as we go. That's why we, that's why you hire the people with the degrees, honestly, that going back to degrees. You honestly, that that's where it's coming to now. You yep. hired the people with the degrees. Yeah. Cause even me, like, well, we've hired various people, but even me, like, I've done all the research and development for so long and created the products. But like now, as we continue to scale and grow, I'm like, I want somebody more with a science background so that, you know, they can come in and do all the proper testing and they can help with development as far as that chemistry background and that science background. So we're actually like looking for people with degrees now to come and work with us. Wow. I love y'all's story. And it's so many things in there as I'm listening. I'm like, oh, I remember that. I remember that. But I will say these days, Quentin, anything you want to know, you can find in a book or on YouTube. So you're you're good. You can can find it. That's so true. (laughs) Exactly. Or on a podcast. I mean, I've learned so much, especially about managing people from books, Mm -hmm. because honestly, my husband and I were pretty terrible in the beginning. And I always lived on the fact that I was like, oh, well, I'm a people person. I'm a people person. That does not mean you know how to manage people, you know, so it's what I learned. If anything, people kind of ran over me sometimes and, you know, it was just, it was a lot. So I had to read a lot of books and lean into learning that part because I, and I still don't claim to know everything by any means because everybody's different. What motivates people are different. And so it's amazing. Taryn, my mom works with us too. Oh, does she? Yes. <laughs> now, that's an interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's that's even a topic within itself is like, you know, your mom working with you because it's like, dang, I'm my mom's boss. You can't <laughs> fire your mom. You, can't, you cannot. Exactly. Fire exactly. <laughs> my daughter told me that one day. She's like, you cannot fire Gigi. I said, I know. 
Yeah, you no. can't. But. Quentin's mom works with us too. She does. she does. She works the store like every other Saturday as well. Yeah, but my mom works there. with us every day. Yeah. Yes, my mom works with us every day too. And I tell you, it that is a whole nother podcast subject because I adore my mother and she's yes. our biggest cheerleader. Mm-hmm. And yes, the trust factor, she's going to look out for every penny. If Hello. she can save a penny, Hello. she's going to save that penny. Yes, but ma'am. sometimes I'm like, mama... <laughs> I got like a whole bunch of work to do. And, and she's trying to do. <laughs> yes. And she has trying to have this long conversation with me. I'm like, we got to do this later tonight <laughs> because I have to do this work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's nice to have family though, that you can trust in the business for sure. So mm-hmm. that's a good thing. There was something else I wanted to ask you all about that. One of the questions I wanted to ask, and I know I just kind of want to talk to this because you all are like a younger version of Ethan and I, to me. <laughs> and, but I recently read a statistic that stated 80% of Black-owned businesses fail within 18 months of starting. This compares to 50% of other, other businesses within five years. Why do you think this is the case for Black-owned businesses? Man, that's, that's a great, great question. I, I really think that's a deep one. That's a I know. Deep one right now. <laughs> I got a little something to get. Go ahead first. I'm going to speak just from, because we were just talking about this actually the other day in regards to like restaurants in particular, how, because I know just based off of my background, like I worked with, I worked at several different restaurants and they were not black owned, but they had a specific system that was in place. The managers had to do this. The servers have to approach the tables a certain way. Customer service is A1. Like, so those were various things. And there's been times we went to like black owned restaurants and it's like, okay, do the managers know what they're doing? Do the servers know what they're doing? So I was, I think we were talking about it the other day and we were saying systems. And of course, within these other cultures, like they already have these things established within their communities. They help each other with these systems. And a lot of us are just like, we just go in there and then we don't always, you know, establish those systems. And like I said, even just like, even with us taking on employees like I had to learn like I can't go in there and just be cussing out my employees like if they get on my nerves or something like that you know it's like a particular way that you have to deal with them so I think it's just like us learning how to step into those roles of customer service of us stepping into those roles of creating a system of being sustainable we didn't a a lot of times we didn't necessarily have that or we don't maintain that for generations to to come our our great grandparents possibly had it or and it could have skipped a generation but you know, we just got to maintain those systems, okay. customer service. What you got? I would say, too, I think, and this and this is what I'm about to say, this could be very, I think a lot of us in the Black community, man, we, we're in survival mode. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just surviving. Like, we just trying to make a little bit of money so that we yeah. can just pay these bills. Mm. And that's not how you, you, you can't build a real business like that. Mm. Like, you just can't. Like, you got you to gotta be able to, and that's why I'm, I'm grateful that we had parents that allowed us to move back home. Things like that, because when you're building a business, you gotta, you need money to grow that thing. Like, so you know, allowing us to move back and you know us kind of having like a little bit of cushion through those early years allowed us to invest directly into the business. Allowed us to invest into hiring people early on. You know what I'm saying? Right like around that 2019, because like I said, pre-pandemic, we had like three employees. You know what I'm saying? So again, that survival mode is very key. We have to learn how to like just want to build for the next generation yep. and mm-hmm. want to build a system, like she said, and want to build on top of that because we can get caught up in hustling. Yeah, Like I know my father, like he used to like sell different things back in the day, but to this day, he doesn't do that now because mm-hmm. he didn't establish 
and build a system and build up on, upon that, you know, we just get caught up in just hustling and then people just, you know, you'll find, you ever see people like they're doing one business this year and then the next year they're doing this and they're doing that and doing that. Like start something, stay with that and build upon that year after year after year, allow it to mature. It's like, you know, it's a child. You got to groom it, allow it to grow, you know what I'm saying? Nurture it. Look at what you did at the end of the year, get better, improve on it like a garden. Take all of the, the mess, throw it in the compost pile, you know, allow it to decompose and throw it back into the garden again to feed it again and keep rinse and repeat. Go through the seasons. You know what I'm saying? Wow. I wanted to add that I think that, you know, so many times it's been so easy for us to blame. Well, this hasn't been set up for us. And it yeah. hasn't. That That is a part of it, that the systems do keep us oppressed in, in some ways. But we also have to take accountability for our own education, the way that we inform ourselves. And, the, and like we said, the systems that we implement within our own businesses to make sure that we succeed. So I think it's like that half and half. Yes, it's half the system. And then it's half us not doing the work that we need to do on our end to be informed and to do better and to demand better. Ooh, you guys said so much. <laughs> Yeah. So much. And I concur with all of it. You know, I, my life word, and I just established this, like the beginning of 2020 is legacy. Mm. And my goal, my purpose every day when I wake up in the morning is to make sure that my kids have a legacy. That does not necessarily mean leaving them with millions of dollars. Right. But what it does mean is leaving them with property True. that they can do something with. Yeah. leaving them with an education, whether it's from college or just me spitting to them. You know what I'm saying? Like right. leaving them with knowledge about life and about business, because what I have found, and I was talking to my mother about this, my dad, he's my stepdad, but his dad bought a bunch of property in our town. We're from a small town, but his father bought a bunch of property. They have, they had businesses, but that didn't get distilled down to my dad. So like his books aren't set up right. He's had a business for years and his books are not, I know they're not set up right. And so now I'm trying to go in my mom and I are like working with him, trying to get this fixed, get, you know, get it right. Mm -hmm. So that way when he is older and no longer is able to work in his business, he has a system set up where this business can keep going, even though he's not working in it every day. Everything that you all said, I, I totally agree with. And, but one of my goals with this podcast and as I continue to grow in my entrepreneurial journey is to help, you know, I do, I do focus on black businesses as well, but I, I want to help small businesses survive because they help the economy. But especially when it comes to black owned businesses, I need them to last longer than 18 months. You right. know what I'm saying? Like right. you put those resources in there and Quentin, I think you make a good point. We don't even give ourselves a chance a lot of times before we jump on to the next thing. Yeah. And there's something to be said about cumulative advantage, which is the name of a book by this gentleman named Mark Schaefer. I just read earlier this year. And it just makes so much sense. The more you put into something and you guys saw it last year, you know, you've been grinding for three years. Yeah. And then this pandemic hits and everybody's concerned about health. People are shopping like crazy because they ain't doing that but sitting at home. It's like, let me get me right. some nice soap. I deserve this nice soap because I'm right. sitting at home. You know, they're spending that money that they would be traveling with. Yes, I want me some nice soap. Right. 
you built into that. That's that cumulative advantage. And that's a beautiful thing. I'm so proud of both of you. And I've got to come out and visit the store. Where is the store? Our store is located in Douglasville. The address is 6410 Fairburn Road. You can also Google Urban Eden and the address should come up Mm -hmm. on there. Okay, perfect. I have friends and family down there. I need to to come by and visit. So, wow. Is there anything else you guys want to share? I know I've seen you on Instagram. So you have your IG handle so people can get in touch with you there as well. And they can go to your website and buy stuff as well. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Perfect. So you sell nationally. You're all over the country. Do you ship outside the country as well? Yes, yeah, we, we do. do. We do. Perfect. Absolutely. Love it. I'm going to say, because she asked if we had anything yeah. to say. Well, I just want people to know, like people, especially people is listening, like we're really trying to build a, I'm not going to say trying, we are building a real business. You know, we are providing jobs to the community. You know, this isn't something where we're like, we're, even though we are where we are now, like we're still throwing it back into the business, investing into marketing, investing into systems and the equipment. Like we want to build something like bit like big. Like I put a question on Instagram and I said, can Urban Eden be this generation's next dove? Mm-hmm. And I believe that we can because I don't think that there is anyone that is doing something similar to what we're even doing. Yes, there are a lot of companies that have that create soap and create body care products, but the way that we're doing it, like, you know, we're very transparent, we're, we're documenting our journey, we communicate with our customers extensively. And, and that's what has contributed to us growing the way we have, because it's like you said, it's it's a compound effect. Like we we've been growing it for three, four years before the boom happened. And now we're catapulted to like a new a new stratosphere now, but we still have a long way to go to even get to even the next phase and it continues to get harder. So we just ask the people to continue to support us. You know, we're trying to provide a product that is something that you can use in your everyday life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Which is soap. That's the basis of our thing, the bathroom. soap. we want to be a part of your routine. And so, you know, we just ask yeah. the people just to continue. We ask for your vote of using Urban Eden. <laughs> and I'm a dovetail since he said, you know, going into the soap, because he does a lot of the business aspect. And of course, I do a lot of the product aspect. And like he was saying, we just want to be in your bathrooms. Like we should be using natural soap. Like we do our part to make sure that we inform. So we're on YouTube as well. We have a YouTube channel um, where we do Urban Eden after hours on there, where I talk a little bit more about the herbs, why we use these particular ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about various skincare conditions, but we should be using natural soap. Like we are real people who are making the soaps mm-hmm. and we, you know, we have good intentions. We use these soaps every day. We use these products every day. We make soaps for sensitive skin, for dry skin. Like I l- mentioned, earlier for various skin conditions, hyperpigmentation. So we have various products for whatever you may be going through. And just as we inform you guys through like YouTube and through our various channels, I feel like consumers should inform themselves as well. Like, you know, you shouldn't really just totally depend on, oh, this packaging is green and it says natural and I should go with it. Like you should check the ingredients on the back, make sure that that's something good because so many times a lot of consumers try to like blame like, oh, well, I use this product and it it wasn't good or what have you. But, you know, we got to inform ourselves as well of what we're putting in our bodies and on our bodies. And then lastly, Quentin wanted me to mention that we have an event coming up September 30th, which is a customer appreciation event where it's free to attend. So if you want to visit from out of state or you want to, uh, you're in state and you want to come visit, um, the uh, event is on our Instagram. It's called the Garden of Eden event. 
It's September 30th and it, I don't, customer, appreciation. customer appreciation. So Experience. we'll be having, we'll have drinks, we'll have mocktails and cocktails, we'll have food, we'll have live music, pop-up shop, and we'll be dropping some exclusive product for that event alone. So it's definitely nice. going to be noteworthy. Perfect. Well, I'll make sure all of that's included in the show notes and I need to go online and support or go to the store. I need to do one of the two because I really am very proud of you all. And you're right. We definitely do have to take, you know, stuff into our own hands and look at what we're putting on our bodies and in our bodies. That is so, so true. And I think you're, I know that I've gone on Instagram and I've seen your photos. Your packaging is beautiful. Thank you. And I can tell that you all put so much thought into, not just thought, but you put love into it as well. And Quentin, I know you said, you know, your goal is to build. You've already built a business. Mm-hmm. Now it's just, you got that. You guys have got it and I, and you built it and you're now it's just pushing forward and continuing to grow it, which I know you all are going to do. So I'm very excited and I feel so blessed to have met both of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was a great conversation. Great, great conversation. Thank you. And then I'll have to get you all back too, because a lot of times I do like to talk about the pros and cons of working with your spouse. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> oh yeah. That's a good one. It's just a fun conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bring out the boxing gloves with that. No. <laughs> yes. Sometimes. <laughs> right, right. But yes, I'll have to have you guys back so we can talk about that. Maybe around Valentine's Day or something. I like to talk about love. So yeah. Well, thank you all so much for your time. I'm so excited. And I'll definitely let you all know when this is going to air. Since I do know you have the event coming up, I'll make sure it airs at least two to three weeks out before that. So it's in there. Okay. Okay. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you all so much. I appreciate you all being a part of the Stitch for Success podcast. Thank you for having us. Peace. Thanks so much for listening today. I am so grateful for you. And I'm so grateful for Quentin and Taryn joining us on the Stitch for Success podcast. Please check out the show notes for all of the details on how to shop and support Urban Eden. I will be back next week with my takeaways from my interview with Taryn and Quentin. What takeaways do you have? I would love to hear from you. You can share them with me via direct message on Instagram at Stitch for Success or by emailing me at stitchforsuccess at gmail.com. Also, I have a favor to ask. It will only take two minutes. On the first minute, please think of someone you know that may benefit from this podcast and share the link with them via text, email, or direct message. Second, if you have not already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Again, thank you for tuning in and have a great one.